Hi there. So Bridget and I are taking off a couple of weeks for family time and to start research and interviews for a new year of new episodes. Please enjoy this rebroadcast from our archives, and we'll see you in January. Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, we explore a different perspective on or experience of depression because it varies in form and severity, affecting us differently. Our guests share intimate details of their struggles, coping strategies, and recovery. We keep it real because the struggle is real. We keep it hopeful because there is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We're not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and know that talking about the illness reduces stigma and humanizes the experience, making it safer and easier to ask for needed support. You are far from alone. Ho, 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 Terry. (laughs) Hi, Bridget. This time of year, we focus on family and faith traditions. Some people look forward to it all year long, and others find it a really difficult time. (laughs) It is also, for better or worse, synonymous with gift giving. Today's guest offers us three of the most precious and valuable gifts one human can offer another, the gifts of connection, gratitude, and hope. Mm. A favorite quote by American author, pastor, and teacher, William Arthur Ward, is feeling gratitude and not expressing it. It's like wrapping a present and not giving it. Today, we are giving the gift of gratitude to every guest who has shared his or her story on our podcast to all the supportive people on social media who have willingly exposed not-favorite parts of themselves, to let others in depression's darkness know that they're understood and supported, and to everyone who listens to this podcast, all of you who have had the insight and resilience to reach out for the information, reassurance, and hope that shared stories offer. Today's guest, Dan, stumbled across the Giving Voice to Depression podcast then joined our Facebook community, and then reached out to us so that he could let everyone know how much you've helped him on his journey of recovery. Today, by giving his voice to depression, Dan expresses that gratitude. It's a holiday gift that we hope touches you as much as it has done for us. We're honored to deliver Dan's gift. Our introduction to Dan was a message in which he wrote that he's a middle-aged man who, for most of his life, has lived with and hidden anxiety and depression. He said he struggles with sharing his lived experience and that having been raised to keep his feelings to himself, finding his voice has been a challenge. I I think there was just a lot of embarrassment and shame. Um, I'll tell you a story. Please do. I have a very good friend, and we see one another occasionally, go to breakfast, talk, you know. About a year and a half ago, we had been to breakfast and talking, and he was talking about day drinking, and um, he said, he goes, I think I might be depressed. But he said it in a very cavalier kind of way, and I didn't pursue that. Mm -hmm. I didn't say anything. Fast forward to this past spring, we were at the breakfast and we were talking about work things and, you know, 
things that we usually would talk about. But but I looked at him. I said, you know, what? I I think I'm depressed. But I, I and and certainly this is my perception. The way he said it when he told me was very flip, kind of you know whatever. But I still didn't pursue it with him. When I said it, I knew I was depressed, and I said to him, "I think I'm depressed," mm-hmm. in that depressed kind of voice. Mm-hmm. And we went on and talked about everything but that. Even though you knew you both were. Yeah. So, boy, what does that tell you that we just, you know, even when we say it to one another, we're so uncomfortable that we won't talk about it. Dan may have avoided the conversation, but he could not escape the severity or the reality of his illness. At the time, he was dealing with the recent death of his father, chronic back pain a serious family medical situation, and other factors that teamed up with his depression. It was not a fair fight. Dan required hospitalization to survive it. And and I work in a world that is absolutely extroverted, which is why I think at this stage of my life and with all the other life events that have had happened in the past two, three years... You know, again, that energy it takes to be someone you're not really. Mm-hmm. So things just came crashing down in May of this year, and it was the best thing that probably could have happened to me because I think that I was on the verge of suicide. I was having a lot of suicidal ideation, and, um, you know, if it weren't for the love and support of my family, I'm I'm not sure where I would be. <laughs> The experience of being hospitalized shifted something in him. I think it just made me take stock. Hmm. You know, when you're when you're sitting in a in a hospital room um, and going through the process, and and then you know going through the different therapies, and it it just made me sit back and say, I not only do I have to do something, but I have to keep doing that something. One of those somethings is the recent decision to share about his mental health challenges. Dan says he was inspired by all the others who have shared about their struggles, resilience, and recovery. Is this the first time you've spoken publicly about it? Yes. Yes, it is. That was a very bold move, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate that you trusted us with your story. Well, I think it's an attestation to the... the hundreds of other people that have gone before me and talked about it. Um, I I don't think I would have been at this point had I not listened to your podcast. I think I still would have been quiet. Even though I told my wife, I'm going to do something. That was, what is it, May? So it's six months ago. And I hadn't done anything till till I heard your podcast. So that was the spark. When I heard other people... I said, you know, they're just like me. I can do this too. And this is what I need to do. I need to stop trying to hide because it's just taking too much away from from my life. I can't see, you know, like I, my, mortality has become an issue for me <laughs> because of my age, because my father just recently died. Um, Sorry. And, and so I, I decided I just, I really don't want to live out the remaining years of my life either 
you know, trying to hide. And, and it's so energy sucking. You know, it's just, yeah. oh my goodness, it's just incredible. The illness itself is, or keeping it secret, or the combination? Oh, y- yes, to both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, being being depressed is a combination of chicken and egg, I think. Sometimes it's a low-energy state that devolves into depression, and then being depressed sucks the energy from you, even if you have energy. And then trying to hide it is, is very... Um, emotionally draining so there's there's it it just it's a vicious cycle on an intellectual level dan probably understands that more than many he earned a master's degree in counseling psychology Uh, i only practiced for a very brief while um Hmm. and i think part of the reason that i stopped um was i was depressed at the time and Hmm. i remember relaying this story to my wife and saying to her it's like you know and, and only recently saying to her, I, I certainly didn't say this back then, but uh, recently saying to her, yeah, I mean, I stopped because I felt like a hypocrite trying to give people help with their uh, relational issues and depression when I was suffering from it myself and not dealing with it well. I quit at a crisis line because I said I was officially a caller. And they laughed and thought it was pretty funny, and mm. I totally meant it. Uh, and I, and I, you know, that's when I stopped being a volunteer. So I understand that. Yeah, but I will say that that talking about it takes away the power that it has. It takes away the stigma and the the shame and guilt that goes along with this. Dan knows that reducing stigma and shame helps not only the people living with depression but those who care about us, too. I need to have that external contact, people who understand, people who've experienced. And I, and I think that matters. That, that matters a lot because it's hard to go to your loved ones and say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm starting to feel depressed again because mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a, look, at if I'm feeling this bad and don't know why, uh, I can't imagine what it's like for them. And I don't know how you would not think I'm not being a good supporter. I'm not being a good partner or whatever, because it'd be like, oh, you're, you're not happy with me. And, and it's you're not happy and you're with me. They're two different things. But I don't yeah. think it would feel that way to me if my if I had a husband and he said, you know, I'm really, really unhappy. I would take that personally, even though I'm on this side. I know it's not personal. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the first thing that I said to my daughter the day that I was hospitalized, because she's the one that I called, was, I'm so sorry I'm doing this to you. Oh. And I look back on that, and I think that in itself was, was really, you know, how I felt. I, I felt like I was doing this to other people, my depression, you know, and the way I was dealing with it. And in reality, it's... There's there's a sliver of truth to that, you know. When we're, or at least when when I'm depressed and withdrawn and, and isolating, uh, it, it, and I think you say this is part of what you say at the beginning of your program is that you know we may have depression, but others suffer along with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Given the statistic that in any given year one in five adults will experience a diagnosable mental health challenge. It is very unlikely that you're the only one in your family or social circle who is secretly struggling. 
you know, I've, I've had uh, many good conversations with my 25-year-old son who has had periods of depression in his life as well, but, but he's much more open about it than I ever was mm-hmm. at his age. Um, and so the more we talked, the more I wanted to talk. So I, I kind of, I, I give props to my son for, um, you know, being being strong enough to have those conversations with me because I can't imagine myself having these conversations with my dad. No, but um, it is a different time. But it and it also yeah. says a lot about you. It's a it's a real compliment to you as well, as a father. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he said to me too. Good. <laughs> and as proof of just how deeply embedded that stigma is even in those of us who are fighting it. When I looked at myself, I was like, I had absolutely no reason to be depressed. I had a very good paying job. I have a great family. I get to do all this wonderful traveling. I, there's no reason I should be depressed. I'm, I'm uh, a white male. I have cultural privilege in that respect. But depression is, a, is indiscriminate. It doesn't care. <laughs> And neither one of us would ever say, there's no reason in the world I should have diabetes. I I have a loving relationship. I have a good job. I get to travel. What does that have to do with anything? And yet we still sort of take that on. It's like you you feel guilty for having what is an illness. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why I, you know, I, I, this whole, um, uh, what we tell ourselves is is really big. It's huge. Mm-hmm. I, I I just can't count. I don't have enough digits to count how many times during the day I'm telling myself negative stuff. I just you know, and I would never do that to someone else. No. Never. No. And are you sure it's you telling it to you and not depression telling it to you? Oh yes. I mean, me and depression are are kind of indistinguishable sometimes. <laughs> Major life and attitude changes are strange things. They can start inside and then manifest in new behaviors. Or we can start doing and saying things differently, faking it till we make it, long before the inner shift has actually taken hold. Well, I don't know that it's been long enough to be a change. I think that I'm still, you know, it's not like somehow magically by talking... And doing these things, I, I no longer feel shame or guilt. That is certainly not the case. I still feel that. What I think the most immediate thing that it has done for me is allowed me to to try to describe what I'm experiencing so people can understand, especially my family. Um, and, and I'm still working on doing that for them. I, I, don't, I don't know that I'm, I've done the best job because it's just hard to put into words. Um. You know, so talking about it just takes that power away. It does. And again, I, I've lived for my whole life with this in one form or another. So I, it's going to take the rest of my life maybe to get it to be um, where I, I don't – it doesn't bother me anymore. It just doesn't bother me. But I'm not there yet. Um, I just know that doing stuff like this is what I need to do. Again, Dan credits the guests who have shared their stories here and on social media. But any sharing, any connection, any honest exchange that lets one suffering human know they are heard, understood, supported, and not alone 
has great value wherever it takes place. And this episode is a sincere thank you to everyone who has shared anywhere, as well as to those who aren't quite ready to, but who are listening and learning. I, I think what's helping me too um, um, is understanding that I'm not living in a vacuum. Uh, there's plenty of other folks who who experience this in their own unique way, and you know we all need to support one another through storytelling, through um, you know things that work, things that don't work, um, and destigmatizing this. Thank so. you. For everything. Um, Lovely to meet you. It was a pleasure to meet you too, Terry. Oh, Dan, your courage to stop hiding and speak up inspires me. <laughs> me as well. It was a beautiful, it's the only time I've ever teared up, actually more than teared up, I overflowed a bit uh, during an interview and I was just touched by uh, the eloquence with which he, you know, most of us don't start there when we start to talk. Exactly. Yep. Well, may everyone's 2019 be filled with courage and lots of self-love. And hopefully mental health as well. We're going to take a week off to be with our families for the holidays, but we will continue to post and respond daily on social media. We'll be back New Year's Day with a new episode. Take care of yourselves. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.